If you're lucky, every once in a while you cross paths with a singular soul whose way in the world intersects with yours at an inflection point that contains a powerful lesson that makes profound sense for you in that moment. Becky Reardon is one of those, at least for me. We met a while back during the deep mask times on a bench by the San Francisco Bay. She and her wife were visiting my friend and Change the Story, Change the World musical collaborator, Judy Munson. Now, Becky describes herself as in the music. I'm thinking it's more like she is the music, and that music has a compelling story to tell about the profound wisdom that surrounds us here on our planet. Her songs tell us about humans and our Mother Earth, the reverence and awe and humility and joy and solace and deep understandings that can rise up when you take the time and make the space to listen to what she has to say. We're all lucky that Becky has been kind enough to share those songs through her recordings and concerts and workshops all across the country over the past decades. We spoke in the spring of 2021 about these things, the natural world and community, and the place of songs in the spaces where they come together. This is Change the Story, Change the World, a chronicle of art and community transformation. I'm Bill Cleveland. Hey there, you'll notice that this episode includes a lot of Becky Reardon's wonderful music. If you're interested in hearing more, you can go to beckyreardonmusic.com, that's B-E-C-K-Y-R-E-A-R-D-O-N-M-U-S-I-C.com, or click on the link in our show notes. Now here's Becky sharing, among other things, her recipe for finding the moon. Part one, in the music. So it looks like you've returned home in one place, in one piece. (laughs) One place, one piece. I'm here. Glad to be here. Were you out at the bench this morning? Yeah, that bench, if there are solace and soul helpers over this last year, that bench has been one of them. Uh, Kind of like a rock. (laughs) Absolutely. So just before we start, could you describe what's outside the walls? of your place, where you are? Uh, Sure. I'm in the high desert of northern New Mexico. I'm on a piece of land that's five acres. It's on a little rise above a very long valley, Arroyo, that's full of Russian olives and little Rocky Mountain junipers, lots of sticky thorny things. I can see Taos Mountain to the east. The Rio Grande Gorge is to to the west of me, outside my window there. I have Russian olive trees in, in, in my backyard. I have mockingbirds singing wildly mm-hmm. right now. The arroyo used to be full of sheep. It's uh, years and years ago, nobody lived out here except sheep herders. Mm. So that's a little bit of my, of my terrain. I usually ask people that. I also ask, who are the people who were there before we came, the white folks showed up? The Taos Pueblo Indians. Yes, who are very much who still are, there. They're still there. In fact, they are, as the crow flies, about two miles over there to the east. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm just west of the Taos Pueblo. And yes, they're still there. Their, their village has been occupied continuously for a, th- a thousand years. Yeah, which is and, amazing. First of all, thank you for doing this. I've spent time with your music, and it's an extraordinary way to be introduced to another human being. So let me begin. So your work in the world, <laughs> how would you describe it? Your way in the world? Your I'm in the music. I, I used to 
sign my emails <laughs> in the music because that's where I am. I'm a musician, songwriter, performer, and that's the medium through which I express what's important to me, which is the natural world and community. And mm -hmm. I, I start with myself, where I am, I'm here, here's my body, here's what's around me, here's what's singing to me, here's what I'm learning, and I make songs out of that, and I share them with my community, with my family, and, and hope they are useful. And it's so clear to me that spending time in the natural world that you are reflecting on that is supremely important to you, that feeds you. Oh, yeah. And especially during this pandemic, I feel lucky that I live in a place where I can still get out to trails up in the mountains, out on the mesa, because uh, th th that definitely keeps me alive. What took you to the place that you've spent so much of your life in, this communion and, and this musical symphony that you've generated around you? <laughs> That's such a question. I saw a movie once, and I don't remember the name of it, but the premise of the movie was that after you die, there's about 10 seconds of consciousness where you relive all the important things in your life and all of a sudden it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> all of those puzzles are answered and you know what it was all about. And when you ask a question like that, it takes me there. And I think about being, a, being raised in a, a family in the Middle West that was pretty religious. My, my dad was a minister, my grandfather was a minister and a missionary, and I grew up singing hymns. And the best part of that was singing four-part harmony a cappella. So all of those chord changes, all of that stuff is just in me. And songs like, Farther along We'll know all about it. That song, sing pop songs, lots of jazz, um, listening to Ella Fitzgerald, the Gershwin tunes, studied opera, music. I traveled, I, I went to France for my junior year in college, learned some folk songs there, went, went to the Philippines in the Peace Corps, and it was always like I had a ukulele or a guitar or something. I was always learning songs. Came back and moved to the Bay Area and I sang in a, a little folk club called the Vene Fromage on Solano Boulevard and just sang songs that Joan Baez would have sung and Bob Dylan, and that's the early part of, of this journey. And we share a lot of that, but at a certain point, you decided that you would make your own music, your own songs. And right. I'm wondering where that emerged and how that flowered. <laughs> It took a long time. I'm very slow. to. I, I didn't start writing my own songs really until I was in my 50s. And a lot of other paths. I sang with top 40 bands and bars and sang at a folk club called the Purple Onion in San Francisco. And, and I was always singing other people's songs, and I tried to write songs, but they were like love songs, and I didn't like them, and I didn't really have my own voice. And then it, there was one year where all these fantastic things happened. I started taking singing lessons from the wonderful jazz improvisationalist 
Rhiannon, who's part of Bobby McFerrin's group and a fabulous singer in her own right. And she just opened this whole world of, of hearing my own voice to me and starting with vocables, not singing words, but just like the Mockingbird I was listening to this morning. It's like, and just what making up whatever kind of came out of my body and my own rhythms and my own excitement or quiet or whatever it was. I met her. I had two lessons, and I knew that she had just given me a lifetime's worth of mm. work. So I met her. I started singing with Kate Munger, and that's another whole story. Kate is the woman who started the Threshold Choirs. They're groups that sing at people's bedsides in the last stages of their life. But years ago, this is like 30 years ago, she had a group of women out in Point Reyes, and I would come join them, and we'd sing on the full moons out on the shore on Tomales Bay. And we'd sing rounds from all over the world. And after a while, I would go, I think, let me try my hand at that. And so I wrote a round about the, the cycles of the moon called Where is the Moon? And I think the third thing that happened that year is that I came out with some friends to the Four Corners area. And that's New Mexico, where you are now, right? Yeah, and I just, we came out in two, two trucks and all of a sudden, I just wanted to go off on my own. And they went up to Telluride, and I went down to Canyonlands. And just not having ever been there before, not knowing what to expect, and started hiking in the canyons. And I felt something there just in the pace of walking and being surrounded by such astonishing landscape the immensity of the landscape, and then the intimacy of the little wildflowers that were there. It just took me back to a place I don't think I've been to since I was a kid, and the world was really alive to me. And so all of that, I started singing back to it. I just After I'd been walking for a while, I would just make up songs. And, and often not words, often just just responding to 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 what I felt around me. And that's what really happened. It changed my, my, my music. There's an old school practice that I think you and I probably both had, which is you go into a music store and you flip through the albums that are stacked up and you look at the names of the songs and the back of the albums and you look at who's in them. And so having spent time with your music, I feel like I am flipping through a book of specimens, photographs, sounds of uh, a, a long, long walk through the obvious paradise that you avail yourself of out there in the world. And there are times when I feel like I'm being introduced to your friends, your family, in a sense. There's one of my friends who's your friend, which is the raven. Obviously, the monkey flower and the cocklebur and the rivers and, and the stars. It, at some points, I'm feeling like, oh, I'm intruding. This is a private <laughs> moment. <laughs> but that's an important thing, because sometimes in, in listening to your music, obviously, you're there recording it. So the intention is to share it. But I feel like I'm in in a sanctuary. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about two things. One of them is the round and what it means 
to you. And this idea of sharing these things with groups of people who sing. Oh, my mind is just so full of stuff. So I, I, I will talk about rounds and, and where it started that uh, I started singing my own songs with other groups. But I, uh, like I said, it's in the music. And I just, I want to play just a little bit. Good, please do. Uh, like that song uh, you were just talking about, the Ravens, and it makes me. There's this song. So I was out in the Valley of the Gods, which is in southern Utah, and it was hot. And we were walking along in the Red Rock and looking for some shade, and that's where this came from. Walking in the Red Rock in the summer heat. Looking for the shade of a cottonwood A raven sees me walking She knows but she's not talking Some place green Down by a cool stream Deep shadows So that's around the round form, back to that group singing on the shores of Tamales Bay, like the, the, I think the second round I ever wrote was Where is the Moon? And first of all, the round happens to be a perfect vehicle for writing songs about cycles of nature. Yes. <laughs> and so this round started before I had any recording equipment. And I was out here in New Mexico and the first line came to me because I was thinking about the moon. All right, if I see this little crescent, the curve is facing to the right. What does that mean? Is it waxing? Is it waning? If I see the moon at, when I'm waking up in the morning, is it new? Is it like old? And then I learned that the full moon rises at sunset every month, no matter what month it is. And anyway, so I'm, I'm thinking about this, and this line comes to me. Where is the moon when the moon is new? It's a sliver on the right, growing bigger every night. And I went, oh, I better write that down. And later on, I was hiking with some friends, and I made them sing that part over and over <laughs> again until I came up with the next line and so forth. But anyway... I want to play that for you so you can hear how it sounds when it turns into a round. Where is the moon when the moon is new? It's a sliver on the right, growing bigger every night. Where is the moon when the moon is round? Rising as the sun is going down. Where is the moon when the moon is waning? Fading to the there's no moon remaining Where is the moon When the moon is his way It's a slating to the left Till there's bigger Where is the moon When the moon is round Rising As the sun is going down Where is the moon When the moon is waning Fading to the left Till the sun is going down where is the moon? You don't mind if I learn that, do you? <laughs> I love that. 
That's really beautiful. And it, in two ways, obviously, it's a great round. But the minute that the, the picture starts to emerge, the moon, and then the question, okay, what's going on? It, I, I lose myself in that song really easily. <laughs> great. I, I know you like rounds. Mm. I do. You, you have long history with them. I do. Yeah. That round is very fun to teach because you have to kind of deconstruct it a little bit because it's a little bit complicated, but you start with half the room singing the questions and the other half singing the answers mm. and, and then and turn that right. around. Oh, I'm so happy that came to me. And I heard, oh, oh some years ago that f folks were singing it at Oberlin College and they called it the Moon Instructional Round. That's great. That's <laughs> called it. That's a musical epidemic, right? When... You know, you travel the world and you bump back into something that you gave birth to. Isn't that nice? Did you say a musical epidemic? Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. yes. A good way. Long before this stupid pandemic, I became obsessed uh, with epidemiology, not as a science of biology, but as a science of human behavior. Hmm. And and I've always felt that at least my work was in part about creating a viral responses to good things oh, so, like nice. music like rounds like great stories that that mutate along mm -hmm. the way uh -huh. that made that reminds me that so i was thinking about your podcast change the story change the world and how important it's been for me to to, to change the, the some of the stories and the religious upbringing that i had <laughs> and you know so <laughs> I wrote a song called All of Us. Um, yeah, it just happens to be another round. And it, it's, it goes, all of us are chosen people, chosen by life to be alive. Wherever we walk is holy land, holy by life's returning. Under heaven only one true birthright to create whatever we love. And yeah, you'd ask, how did I start sharing my songs in the world? And that really happened out here in New Mexico. I just had the fortunate circumstance to get involved with a group of women out here who were building their own moon lodge. I mean, wow. that's, that's what one of the things that attracted me to Taos in the first place. The women were all doing these fabulous things. They were building their own houses. They were making their own sacred spaces. They were gardening. They were hiking in the mountains. They were going on wood runs. They were playing softball. They were artists. So I got in with this group of women and helped build this moon lodge. And actually, it's next door to where I am. The building is mostly sunk in the earth. Uh, it has above ground, it has a low dome. It, it's all done with uh, rammed earth, um, the, the tires, nice. tires rammed with earth, adobe plaster finishing. And they were very interested in bringing different mythologies into creating art around them, recreating some of the myths, and singing songs that, that had emerged from women's spiritual movement some of which were like the earth, the sea, the fire, the, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, so I, when I started writing songs, I brought the songs to that group. 
And I, one of them was a, a round for winter solstice because we always had a winter solstice ceremony and stayed up all night singing, doing gifts, playing drums, dancing. And my song went, Down in the belly of the night Dream deep winter dreams And lie safe in your grandmother's arms Still as a sea, still as a sea. So I have to say that little story resonates through all of your work, the sacred feminine, the obvious and the sometimes buried myths that inform I think the vital spirit of the world, if we take them to heart. It really reminds me of that song of yours, Old Woman Juniper. Old Woman Juniper, yeah. There's a line in that, if you don't mind my quoting it. You know that deep inside our hearts are red, red as rose, and when we burn, an incense glows, bittersweet and unforgettable under the sky, the bright blue sky. And I'm wondering... If you could you say where that comes from, because it just it meant a lot to me, but it's part of your story. So I love juniper trees, Rocky Mountain junipers. They're small. They are they last for hundreds of years. And I remember once I was out camping near Bandelier Monument. That's about 100 miles from here. And I was by myself. And I'd set my tent up and had my little tent, my little campfire. And I was in a little circle of juniper trees. And sunset came and went and started to darken with dusk. And all of a sudden, I had the unmistakable impression that the junipers were leaning in just Mm. a little slightly. And so I have a feeling for junipers. And also, as I've gotten older, and I look older, and I have wrinkled skin, and if you know anything about juniper trees, their bark starts hanging off of them. But if you've ever had juniper in a fire, and you've split a piece of juniper, the center of it is dark pink. It's red. Red is rose. And so I wrote this song, to compare myself to a, to a juniper tree that was yeah. growing older and, and feeling myself, even though I, aging and going through my years, but just being in the bright blue sky out here and still having a lot of passion in my heart. Well, I felt that. Um, I, I have some of those old bark pieces, too, hanging off me, so... <laughs> <laughs> I I really resonated with that. It's one of the things I think that this moment in human history, I guess you'd say, is that the connection among and between people that we have cut off in some cases because of the pandemic, but also the interconnectedness. I wrote a song called Six Feet, which really asked the question, maybe six feet is what we need to understand the, the way we connect, basically, is... Because we're so unconscious about our fellow humans often. Dance we're in, and I'll be 
This was sort of early in the pandemic and the, the six feet thing. And I remember looking people in the eye much more than in the old days. But mortality, which I think that old woman Juniper is about, can obviously it's, it's a little scary, but it can also be a gift. Part two, useful songs. One of the things that, that I often do is ask people to um, reflect on stories that really personify the work, or the, the energy that, that you've been investing in, in your life. I'm wondering if one rises up. There, there are many. A lot of times I am thinking about my community, my family, and how mm. to make useful songs, songs that can be sung at, at ceremonies and at celebrations, and songs that will encourage. I wrote a song for Kate Munger, who I, I was talking about before, the woman that founded the Threshold Choir. And now it's sung a lot at celebrations and, and commemorations for, for women who've been important in communities. And it goes, that kind of woman makes the world go round. Clap your hands, slide. Time after time, doesn't she take the time to listen to your troubles, to make a good connection, to tell you that she loves you madly? So that, that comes to mind, and Another story I can tell you about, a song that came to me that's, that's useful for... The story of this song comes from uh, a little village called Cuesta, which is just north of where I live, oh. about 20 miles. And it's, it's where my wife lives and where her family has been for a long time. And their, their parish church was built in the 1850s. And it started crumbling. I mean, it's, it was adobe. And it was getting to the place where it was unsafe to be for people to worship in. And the diocese wanted to tear it down and just put up a, you know, like a cafeteria kind of modern building. And the villagers got together and decided, no, they wanted to rebuild their church in their traditional style. And so they raised money. Some of them learned how to do stained glass. Some of them improved their skills in woodworking. People knew how to mud, plaster. And they raised this beautiful gem of a church that would just take your breath away when you walk inside. And when I saw it, I, I came home that evening and I most of this song just emerged right away. And um, we sang it at a dedication. place we stand, here we stand together, witnessing the work of your hearts and hands, here we stand together, may angels bless this place, may hearts find rest and grace, may love surround 
did they sing that song when they opened the church? We sang it. It just happened to be a time when several of of us were gathering for a yearly retreat that we do at the Lama Foundation, which is near here. And about 20 of us went to the church for an informal dedication. And so many of the people from the community came. We stood in in the front and sang that song to everybody in harmony. Uh, that's one of the places that has inspired me the most is my, the time I spent in New Zealand. And so often my work introduces me to people who have a sense of spirit in the world like yourself. And in Maori culture, spirit is manifest in very powerful ways. One of the, the rules of the universe for them is the more that humans create in a place, the more sacred it becomes to the point where Maori spirit leaders are asked to come and almost like a Geiger counter say, yeah, you're about 70% of of the way there in here. Uh, You have a lot more work to do. Keep it up. But it reminds us of that benediction that you just shared, Hmm. which is to set that new old building on its new history in that community. And I'm assuming it's a vital place in the community now still. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. This all happened maybe three years ago. Of course, it, it, they had, no one's been able to meet there during this. But yes, yeah. it's a beloved place in the community. What a special story. It's great. So I just have to say that uh, you, you don't sit around listening to your music all the time in one fell swoop. I, for the last week, have. What's coming up at me is a cosmology of here's the blessings we've received from the earth and the cosmos and and here are different ways we can celebrate it and reveal it and through through song the form of the song the words of the song the voices in the songs so it has been i would almost say a sort of a blessing to me to share it all in one big gulp and i really appreciated it am i right in saying that you you do have a worldview of cycles and of what we need to learn from the natural world and the interconnectedness and humility that we need to bring to our relationship to the path we walk on this earth is that does that make sense is that resonate articulated very well (laughs) (laughs) yes and going back to being in the music when i'm receiving writing and working on a song I am trying my very best to make the song carry the feelings that inspired the song. So that when you sing the song, you go to the place that that I felt. I try, I really try hard to do that. I have a song called Eve's Longing that came out of an just an experience I had specifically being in Baja and the Sea of Cortez and the Bay of Conception. And again, and just as evening fell and it was just right after sunset, I was sitting on the beach and looking out at this little bay and there were two fishing boats anchored there and there were two pelicans sitting on the one of the boats And they were just looking at the sky as it deepened blue beyond the mountains. 
And I just wished that I could be in their world and be beyond the limitations of my, my human mind and just be a part of the flow, the rhythm, the conversation that everything else in the natural world around me was experiencing. And I want to play at least the beginning. It's called Eve's Longing, as in Eve, Adam and Eve, who had to leave the garden. And it was part of me longs to live again as a... I'll play it. As a hawk, or a bee, or a blackberry bramble, like a flock of shorebirds turning round and round in an instinctive motion, I want to hear you calling me in a song that you sing through the dark blue sea. I want to find my home again By the stars, by the water flows Guided by an ancient Knowing was one of my favorites i have to tell you and maybe because during the pandemic sitting on that bench i found myself envying the water birds mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because i'm sure you're aware we're at pelican central here for a certain part <laughs> of the year uh -huh. and they, they in particular because they're so their characters are so strong and uh, powerful. And so I thank you for sharing that song. That put the hair on my necks right up. <laughs> really. Yeah, part of that song, part of the images came from being out there on that bench in that place and watching uh, the murmuration of the, is it sandpipers? I'm not, but they are so astonishing. And you're just like, how do they know how to move and what is it to move all together like that? And yes. what does that feel like? And and yeah, Bill, just writing about how something feels, singing about how something feels. Often I just can't, I, I, English fails me and I, la role or... Yes. I yes. just, English doesn't, a human language doesn't, isn't enough. Well, I would just say the science world is catching up to the... 100,000-year-old understanding that the thing that you do, which is singing, was likely the first act of human connection 
made intentionally prior to even language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always think of that the first time they came across a harmony, whether it was on purpose or by mistake, it was the first miracle. <laughs> uh, I can imagine mm -hmm. sitting around some fire, if they had fire then, and stumbling across at least a two-part harmony, if not a three-part, and being gobsmacked, as they say, <laughs> mm -hmm. in awe mm -hmm. of that power. Mm. You're making me think of another time that I was camping, and I'm just in my camp chair dozing off by the fire, and I wake up, and before I'm like totally consciousness, I'm hearing the crickets. And there are the crickets. And I start, I just start singing. How this did we learn to sing? Ask the crickets if they know anything. Sticks. And, and I, I wrote a song, How do we learn to, how do we learn to sing? Ask the crickets if they know anything. <laughs> Yeah. And you brought up spiders in that song. Oh, yes. And you also brought up oh. moms learning how to speak from their children. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think I, I might have got a little carried away there, but... No, that, to me, that was just like, okay, where do we find wisdom in the world? I mean, we could go to universities and science labs. They're important. But there's some stuff here that is pretty dense and pretty deep and could stand a lot of, of reflection. And that's one of them. It's wonderful. I love that idea. One of the things I, there's all different kinds of people that listen to this. And interestingly enough, it's ending up being a resource for younger people who are interested in the answer to the question that, that I pose in my podcast is what use are the arts in these turbulent times? And so I often ask the people I'm talking to, what would you share about the path that you've taken for somebody who is going, well, that seems like a fun way to go, <laughs> a useful way to go, a profound way to go in life. Any rules of the road? I think it's like you look around at the community you're part of and you ask, what does that community need? that I have something special to, to give to. What is my special thing that I can give my community? So there's that part of it. And also there is your own desire. And, and maybe that part comes first. Is like, what do you love to do? What can you not help doing? And, and then later on, how does that special thing serve my community? How can I make that available? Which, at least in my cosmology, once you've entered into that force field of asking that question and then trying to act on it, you've automatically set a kind of synergy in motion because the gift of considering the other brings the, a reciprocal energy towards mm -hmm. you. In mm -hmm. South Africa, it's Umbutu, I am because you are. And that translates also, there's there's another term, and this is Pijinjara from the great Victorian desert. And they say, Napaji, Napaji. Huh. Napaji, Napaji is, I teach you, you teach me. Mm -hmm. And that reciprocity of the world is probably a quality, a lesson, a characteristic 
that humans can have that we desperately need right now. Very badly. I, I think of if someone said, okay, what's the elixir for this moment? And I, I think I, I keep coming down to we need to have more people singing together. I really mean it. <laughs> Yes, we do. Let's argue later, but let's sing a song together. <laughs> Start with a song. My my friend and comadre, Melanie Melanie Demore, who's a, an African American singer, choral director, teacher, fabulous woman. She writes. She some of her work is bringing police and troubled communities together. Mm-hmm. She told us once that she just made up a song in the in the in in the on the spot that just went. More than air, more than water, we need tenderness. Just that in her beautiful deep voice and having the room sing that simple song to start with air. So yeah, and it's been very hard for us not to sing together. Well, of course, we've, we've Zoomed and we do our best with that, but it has been a hard year. And hopefully, little by yeah. little this summer, we're going to get back to hearing each other's voices at the same time yeah. and in harmonies. Yeah. Together in the same space. Yeah. I know a lot of us who teach, the question comes up, who are you now? Are you different than a year and a mm. half ago? You know, going forward... Yeah, how are we going to be? What's going to be different? And I was thinking about one of the myths that we explored in this group of Moon Lodge women that I was a part of. And I was remembering the story of Amaterasu, who is a Japanese sun goddess. And her younger brother, Susanu, had created chaos on the earth. And she fled into a cave and shut the cave up. And of course, that deprived the world of its light. And so everyone was in darkness. They weren't going to be able to grow their crops. And they were like, how can we get Amaterasu to come out of this cave and shine again? And the story is that they brought drums and rattles and set it up outside her cave and started this big party of drumming and hooting and hollering and singing. And an old lady got up on a big stump and took off her clothes into this big ribald dance. And everyone started laughing crazily. And finally, Amaterasu is hearing all this party going on outside her cave. And finally, she peeks out. And finally, she comes out in her full sun. And I'm thinking that we need, as we try to get back our juju, we need that kind of enchantment that can come from singing singing and being together and dancing together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that story reminds me of the Persephone myth, of course. Hmm. Same story. Where's the light? <laughs> How do we bring it back? Let's do what we have to do to call up the spirits that we need in order to thrive in the world. Becky Reardon, this has been an extraordinary pleasure to be speaking with you. I think we could probably 
go on for a long time, and I should be sending you some rounds, some of which come from my prison work and, and work with kids and, and also from my own attempt to transform space that has lost its soul with music. The gift that I've received is that I know that's possible. Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, right. In real life. Me too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously it's not something that is easy to share with people who have no uh, connection to it other than you teach them a simple round and say, let's try this and then I'll ask you the question. How do you feel? I look, I look forward to hearing them and adding them to my collection. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. See you, see you back at the bench next time. Okay. So as we bid adieu to Becky, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in. As you can probably tell, Change the Story, Change the World is a labor of love. And knowing that there are folks like you out there traveling along with us makes all the difference. So for myself and Judy Munson, our music maestra, our scribe Andre Nebe, and Ook235, our mystery mentor, we'd like to express our appreciation and remind you that you can express yours by subscribing and sharing. This is Change the Story, Change the World, signing off. Till next time, stay well, help folks, and make something useful out there.